Blog Talk Radio. Chatter podcast. I'm your boy Just Ray, and we just want to just apologize to our audience. Like we had to take some time off and regroup and get things together uh, after some stuff happened. We had a little sound issue, um, but tonight we got some very special guests, Elise and Majesty from Evopia. They got a really cool concept out of Atlanta. I'm sure they're gonna like take take it across the country. So without further ado, we're going to let them introduce themselves and we're going to the QA. Hello, Elise and Madison. I did say that right, Elise, right? Yes, you did say that right. Hello. How are you doing today? Oh, all right, all right. Hey, hey, what's up? It's Majesty here. Uh, glad to be on the show. All right. So, guys, uh, tell me about Evopia. I saw this on Instagram. It looked like a really great concept, but can you explain what it is to the audience exactly, like in just layman's terms? Okay. Well, Evopia is um, a 501c3 nonprofit membership platform that we've developed to give um, people of, well, African Americans and black people of the African diaspora a safe space to talk about the things that matter to us. Um, There's been a lot of censorship on mainstream social media platforms from a lot of the voices in our community, and we want to give them the space to um, not only communicate their ideas, um, but also their messages and um, facts that they want to share with people who um, look like them or look like us. And so when you say, like, sharing like what do you, like how does that how does that work exactly? So do I just go? Is it kind of like a Facebook for people yeah. of African American descent for for yeah. us? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's 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 a membership uh, organization that we have launched a platform for uh, for okay. us to be able to communicate with each other. So yes, it's actually like a Facebook, mm-hmm. um, literally like a social media platform. Um, we have members that join, add pictures, uh, share ideas, um, you know, share what, they, what they're thinking, similar to um, a Facebook, except this is completely, um, you know, ran by us. It's something that's independent of um, the servers of a Facebook, of an Instagram, of a WhatsApp, um, or whatnot. So it allows us a safe uh, place to speak without having to worry about any any type of censorship or infiltration or um, just trolling in general. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so my question is for you guys, and forgive me for asking, like, what's the difference between you and Black Planet? <laughs> oh, Lord. It's not okay, like well, Black well, Planet in, yeah. in the traditional sense. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Evopia <laughs> on paper, like we said, is a membership organization. So we are a 501c3 nonprofit. That would probably be the biggest, easiest difference to uh, highlight. Uh, the platform is offered to our memberships free. 
um, as a communication okay. tool uh, or whatnot, okay. and also the subject matter of of the platform and the membership organization is about solutions, uh, specifically the needs of the community. And when I say needs, I mean more so like the biological needs, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, food, shelter, clothing, defense, education, mental health, uh, you know, subjects like those are the topics um, that uh, kind of guide our membership organization because those are the needs in our community uh, in order for us to have any, any form of uh, independence. Okay. So basically from what you're saying, like, because I just want the audience to know. So basically I can go to mm-hmm. Evopia.org, log in, post my thoughts and post my resources, and it's basically kind of like a networking site. Yes. yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. Definitely a networking um, area, and that's what it's meant to be, to kind of start a conversation or to be a a venue, um, if you will, a digital venue, especially in the face of the pandemic, um, which has halted uh, networking events and different things like that. But, yes, it's meant to be a digital venue for us to come together and share our, uh, share our, our thoughts and, and, and everything like that. So, yes, sir. And then also, okay, so, just to add to that, uh, we'll be launching our app um, in the very, very near future. So if you uh, do go to evopia.org and sign up on the website, you'll be added to our contact list to be updated on when we launch the app, and that will include live streaming capabilities as well. So, okay, so you guys got a lot of tech involved. So are there – so the advertising opportunities – you're, are you mainly doing advertising for African-American businesses that are in all different areas as long as they kind of like they're in a tasteful sense? Well, yeah, for the most part, yes, sir. Um, as far okay. as, in advertising, I would say that's somewhere that we, want, we aren't necessarily focused on because we, we don't want it to be too, too spammy, too salesy or whatnot. It's really supposed to be more of a grassroots, um, you know, independent, situation where we're, we're really focused on discussing the solutions that are needed in our communities. Um, so we would uh, more so have uh, content and information available about those situations specifically. Um, and our area that we specialize in is housing, um, even though there's a lot okay. of needs in the community, but that's one area that we actually focus in as far as our background. Okay. Cause, all right, so I'll get back to the housing. So my my thing was, if you guys have the website and you have like some, because like I'll, I'm sure you guys heard of We Buy Black. Like if you guys partnered with them, yes, and you guys did advertising with black only products like batteries, uh, shoes, athletic mm-hmm. wear, things of that nature, right. that can like help support your funding to keep your site up and keep you guys like going. That's that was my thinking. That's why I was saying that. Understood. Right. Understood. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because we actually um, had a conversation with We Buy Black about possibly working together in the near future. So um, I'm glad that you mentioned them because we've definitely been in contact with them. And, like, to go back to your uh, point about advertising, we don't necessarily advertise in the traditional sense on Evopia, but, for instance, if you are – um, maybe like an educator in an elementary school or a teacher or something like that, uh, we would possibly have an opportunity for somebody to get on our platform and educate um, maybe parents about 
tips on homeschooling their children during COVID or providing some type of resource in that sense, not necessarily in the traditional, like, you know, advertising sense or business listing sense. Okay. Is there some type of cooperative, like, advertising, like, online course kind of partnership kind of deal in that sense? So, like, if I advertise that, I pay for that, would you guys be – is there something where you guys are going – I can make a little money for myself do that, or is it just strictly like it's I do that and I pay for that space to do that? Uh, at the moment, we we don't really yeah. we don't have any. At the moment, we're not focused on on advertising. Um, fortunately, okay. and, and and when we get into housing or whatnot, maybe that it'll make a little bit more sense as far as where okay. we generate our revenue or where we look to generate revenue. But real estate is where we're looking to actually make the funds that cover a lot of the initiatives that we have. That that's been our business model, um, and that's kind okay. of what we focus on because that's what we know. Um, but but that's definitely a, a good idea for us to consider in the future. Uh, we just want to make sure that the platform stays. Um, informational, uh, focused on, you know, the solutions and those conversations as opposed to um, generating revenue or profits for a specific person or organization. Okay. So let's talk about the, the housing the housing thing, what you guys are working on. Tell me, what is that about? Let's just start there and then we'll, like, dive in from there. Okay. Um, well, we've been building affordable housing for a couple years now. Uh, primarily single-family uh, residences, and we okay. and we focus on on um, what would be considered more transitional housing. People that need it's also called rapid rehousing, but people that have an emergency need for housing, uh, typically someone coming from uh, living in their car, uh, living on the streets, uh, living in a shelter, or some type of situation where their housing is their situation isn't secure. Uh, so we help them by giving them a more uh, secure situation, and we have a year-long transitional program um, that we also uh, have them go through that helps them with the with their needs as far as personal needs in order to get back on their feet and be on the path uh, to hopefully home ownership, but at least some form of permanent housing. Okay. So what are we looking at the, the process for an individual to get started if they wanted to come? So, like, I'm an individual. Something happens to me where, like, I don't know, uh, act of God or my house gets torn down or, like, somebody drives their car through my house and then I have to, like, live out of my car. What is the process for me to, like, come to you? Do I just go to the website or how does it how does it start? Yeah. Yes, yes. They, uh, you will go to the website, um, which is uh, also a, a nonprofit, completely separate uh, entity or whatnot. That's specific for community service, um, but that okay. that brand is Push Nation. And you go to that website, uh, fill out the form, and then uh, one of our case managers uh, will get in touch with you and about your situation and make sure one that we're a good fit for you because we're not always the best fit for someone. Um, sometime, and, and we know of another resource that will be a better uh, solution for your situation, then we will make that connection. Um, and if we are okay. a good fit, then that's when we start the process of uh, more so of an identification process. Our, our uh, guidelines are, are lax. Uh, we do require a background check just to understand uh, the person that we're dealing with. 
some situations right. we're not comfortable with dealing with, especially when it comes to anything with uh, uh, children um, or whatnot, because it's a very sensitive area. Um, but we, we we do we do deal with uh, ex ex felons and things like that, uh, as long as they don't have any any. Anything, you know, any of the seven deadly sins um, or whatnot, the more serious uh, uh, criminal history, but we try to work with everyone that we can um, to help them get housing. And the need has grown significantly since the pandemic began. Um, so, right. you know, that's pretty much what we do. And then just to be clear, that website is pushnation.net. And um, okay. you can just go there, fill on the form like he fill out the form like he mentioned, and then someone will be in touch to connect you with an opportunity that if we have one available. Okay. So, what areas are you servicing um, when you do that? Is it primarily in the Atlanta area, or are you guys like in other areas too? Yeah. Yes. That that specific initiative right now is um, primarily in the Atlanta area, the metro Atlanta area. Um, and we're looking okay. to expand that, and that is uh, why a platform like Evopia is very important. Um, we have the game plan as far as how to do this, how to make it happen. Um, we're able to purchase distressed properties and reposition them uh, to have some form of use in the community where these uh, properties reside rather than just pushing the, the, the people out of the community that they've, uh, you know, grown up in and built. Um, so, yes, uh you know, the, we, we, we take the real estate aspect of what we do very seriously because it provides the um, resources to be able to offer, uh, you know, resources to our community. Okay. All right. So when we say metro Atlanta area, are we, like, talking outside the 285, the 85, like, Bankhead, uh, Little yeah. Five Points? Yeah. Mo- talk- I used to live in Atlanta. Mo- That's mo- why yeah. I know. I'm just <laughs> Within 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 285 uh, is where we try to stay. Within 285, we do have a uh, property that's like right on the on the perimeter, but we try to stay as close to the city center as possible. Um, that's where okay. we're seeing the largest need. That's also where we have the most resources and contacts uh, as far as real estate uh, goes with acquisitions and also construction. Um, on the outskirts, that you know, as you get further out. People seem to uh-huh. uh, get a little bit more comfortable and be a little a little better off. Not not that there isn't, you know, mm-hmm. distress out there as well. But the people in the city, it, it, it's a different story in my opinion. You got the tent cities. You got the people living under bridges. You got the people living in the houses. Uh, that's more prevalent in the city. So that's where we are. Okay. And what's, what's part of the city? Do you mind me asking what part of the city is that? Where are we at? Typically, typically Southwest Atlanta. That's that's okay. So Atlanta, uh, uh, East Point, um, College Park, like you said, um, uh, uh, Dixie Hills, like you know, as far as you want to get into neighborhoods, uh, the West End. But typically Southwest Atlanta, some 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 Southeast Atlanta, but we find ourselves in Southwest Atlanta the most, and that's also where our uh, offices and warehouse is located. Okay. Okay. So, what? So during the during the pandemic, like what what have been your major challenges or things that you had to like overcome, like doing this? Well, one of the biggest challenges um, that we've had is of the influx of inquiries for housing. Um, mm-hmm. Like Majesty mentioned earlier, like. 
things have kind of, I guess you could say, exploded since the pandemic as far as people needing affordable housing options, obviously with the rising unemployment rate and, um, you know, the evictions and um, a lot of landlords are no longer accepting tenants and they're making um, rental requirements much more strict um, because of all the uncertainty. So definitely the influx of requests that we're receiving has become um, just overwhelming in a sense. Um, so, and also because a lot of the nonprofits that were servicing these people have shut down because of COVID or they had to um, basically just become obsolete. And uh, we had a lot of the uh, organizations around town calling us, asking us if we had available space because, you know, some of the major organizations, they just could not, um, I guess, operate under these conditions. Yeah, it's a gargantuan task uh, as far as the Mm -hmm. housing crisis. And I think some people don't understand how significant it is and how it will affect everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a gargantuan task. It's very difficult for one organization to handle. Uh, we we and we work with some of the biggest organizations, from the Hope Foundation to United Way, and they don't have the resources needed in order to you know uh, uh, properly or effectively um, house everybody that needs assistance. And people are being kicked out uh, daily, so that number is only growing. Um, and that's why you know we we. Uh, you know, harp or, or kind of talk about the the fact of what's going on with the housing crisis so much and how everyone can get involved because if you can help make a difference and also, um, you know, purchase an asset and position yourself financially um, at the same time, I think it's a win-win situation um, and it only makes sense. So we, we definitely want to rally the, the rest of the community to get involved uh, more actively uh, within the community because, you know, it, it, there's multiple ve- benefits to doing so. And, you know, we definitely have to look out for each other because it's a community effort. Uh, we can't expect to be uh, isolated. Or we can't expect to be an island and think that we're going, going to be okay uh, because the issues will spill over to your front yard. And I know a lot of people are seeing that in their communities, whether they're seeing just a, the, a higher homeless uh, or a, a panhandler, uh, you know, demographic in the area, or they're just noticing the more more boarded up uh, buildings and, and different things like that. I mean, we all saw the debate and that that you know that situation there. So um, it's obvious that we're in times where we need to be very uh, uh, very intentional about what we do and what we do together to make sure that we're being as constructive as possible, um, just on a unified front. So the right resources like what kind of people would it take to like push the, your initiative like is it real estate developers or just real estate like what are we looking for um at the end of the day it's 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 capital is is very important um we have to be a lot more uh um intentional about where we place our capital as well uh, and we have to be willing to put that capital into our own community. Uh, we, we typically spend our money in every other community except for ours, and that has to change um, or whatnot. And, and it's also beneficial on a financial level to do so when you do it correctly. So that's, that's the important um, aspect. Everybody kind of talks about buying the block, 
um, or whatnot. And, and that's a, and it's a great concept, but we just have to act on that concept um, or whatnot and do so as a collective so that we can control uh, what happens on that real estate or within that community uh, because ownership of property is the, the, the highest form of power that you can have in this, in this nation um, or any, any nation. For that, for that fact, and that's why it's called a landlord, and we definitely need to use that power to our advantage. Oh, okay. Wow, that's that's interesting. So, we're talking about land ownership. You guys, you guys have heard of the Freedom Georgia Initiative, right? Yes, yes sir. we have. So, okay. So, are you? I feel like I want to ask, like, are you guys in partnership with them, or are you are you guys working together? Because it seems like you guys are. It seems like it's similar things, but not really. They bought a whole bunch of land for them, but you guys are providing mm-hmm. a place to stay for families. Is that right? Am I getting those yeah, two concepts well, I, correct? Yeah, just to clarify a little bit, we, we are not currently in partnership with uh, Freedom Georgia. We have, you know, made contact with them um, and would possibly like to, you know, have a deeper discussion about both of our initiatives. But like you mentioned, earlier, we are focused on immediate solutions. We have immediate solutions, and we are in full operation um, currently, and um, what they're doing is a great thing uh, for the black community, and I think that it's an awesome um, statement to say that you've purchased, you know, 90 acres of land to be developed, and so, um, you know, we definitely respect what they're doing, and that's just the fundamental difference is that we are, um, you know, full steam ahead in operation, fully functional uh, at this present time. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're currently housing families. Housing families, we're currently providing these services, and our structures are currently standing and operable. Um, but as far as uh, what you were saying, what looks like the same thing. It's because we're thinking the same way as far as land right. ownership being a, 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 a position of power. And I think that a lot right. of our people are seeing that. Right. So it, it looks like we're moving, um, you know, at the same time and kind of having conversations. And we are. And you know, we just came back from St. Louis uh, from speaking with uh, the Black Wall Street out there. Mm-hmm. Um, they just bought a bunch of land as well. So we definitely making the connections because we're seeing that we think alike and that we're taking action. And that's basically all that we're telling everyone to do is take action, even if it isn't necessarily a partnership directly with us. It could be with Freedom Freedom, uh, Georgia or it could be uh, with Black Wall Street or it could be with the next, uh, uh, you know, black development or whatnot. But it's very important that we get involved with property ownership because that is where, you know, the, the most powerful position um, is in when you're having any discussions with, with anyone um, regarding, uh, you know, socioeconomic like status and, 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 and whatnot, because, you know, it lets you control your community. So, And like Majesty was saying, it is all about community preservation. And I think that, you know, this could be an inspiration for anyone else out there or any other group to start pulling their resources and purchase, purchasing land in their state, in their neighborhoods, in their communities, and really taking um, their communities back from gentrification, from um, just being completely, like, destroyed, dilapidated, neglected. Um, we, I think we have the power to, to do that, and I, and I hope that we can serve as an inspiration to somebody else to, to take action where they live. 
That's that's dope. So, what I just out of curiosity, like I know it seems like it's a lot of people in the South or like Midwest, but like, have you guys heard anything about anybody doing something similar to what you're doing on the West Coast? It's 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 more difficult in, on the West Coast one because of, of prices pricing. Um, and the East Coast can be the same way. That's why you don't hear a lot about it in the major, more major cities because typically people get uh, priced out of doing it on such an independent level. Um, when you start talking about housing, you know, hundreds to possibly thousands of people, um, that's when you start getting the regulators and the agencies and things like that involving politics and all of that because you got to do, uh, you know, different zoning and land use uh, 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 activities and whatnot. So it can just become more daunting at that point. Also, a lot more expensive um, to the point where you're not able to keep costs low enough to build affordable housing, um, it has to be luxury housing unless you can get some form of consideration from the government in the form of uh, tax breaks. And that's typically how affordable housing is built um, on the West Coast and also uh, in the areas like New York um, that are expensive. Uh, they have to rely on tax incentives in order to be able to build uh, uh, the, uh, affordable housing. Wow. This is very intense stuff we're talking about. Okay. Um, it so. is. It is intense. Like, you don't mean to be like, you know, the serious segment or whatever. No, but I don't even, like, you guys are fun people. I talked to you on the phone, like, prior to the call. You guys are fun people, but this is yeah. serious. This is wrong. No, wrong it is. It's heavy. It's super I'm going to call it the serious segment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, okay, so if somebody wanted to, replicate what you're doing like would you guys they would reach out could they reach out to you for mentorship and then what would be the first steps to like initiate something like that like if they if, well, as a group I, not just as, as two like how would they do it well I, we 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 have if you if you pay attention to our content then we give a lot of information there but we don't offer mentorship in in that way um, in okay. the same way that, you know, Elon Musk doesn't, you, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, we, we're more so operating yeah, yeah. and trying to fulfill our mission so much um, that right. we're just focused on that. We don't necessarily offer mentorship, but we do um, encourage others to, to get involved on their own. If they want to get involved with our projects, um, then, then there's many ways that we can partner. Uh, we have people that volunteer on our projects. We have uh, uh, investors that come in and we partner on deals to make money together. And, you know, and we also have people that come in to offer their skills. Uh, maybe they're a welder. Maybe, you know, they're, they're a carpenter, painter, contractor, um, what have you. So there's a lot of different ways that we can work together. Um, and, and, and we do uh, drop a lot of information in our, in our content, and we don't hold back anything, um, but we don't yeah. offer mentorship just directly in that sense because we're very focused on carrying out the mission um, specifically. Yeah. And sometimes that can, that can be a distraction um, as far as making sure that people follow through on, on your directives as a mentor. And like I said, right. we, we just, we're so flooded with the need for housing we're just focused on uh, developing as many units as possible in short uh, in short amount of time as possible. So when we're talking about housing, are we going like into the cities where there's like unused properties and like bringing them up, fixing them up, and yes, making sir. up mm-hmm. the code for people so they're livable? Okay. So, so yes, what sir. You, so yes, sir. We work? typically get the 
the ugly, the ugliest of the ugly properties. That's where we're going. Um, uh, you know, single family properties. Uh, we're we're gutting them completely and going back with uh, all new materials, so the properties are done um, with the 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 highest sense of quality in mind. Um, we also are currently uh, designing a model uh, container home uh, that we believe will be a solution for the the homeless um, the homeless population uh, worldwide on a global level. Okay. Um, we're building a model okay. on site. Uh, that that will be nice. total uh, electric and all, and we also work on. Uh, uh, we also look for hotels and other uh, uh, properties that are that are set to house mo- a lot of people in as far as density in one area. This already has the layout as far as bedrooms, uh, bathrooms, kitchens, things like that, and so we take those and reposition those as well. That's what we're focused on doing right now. I got to back up a minute. So tell me about your mm-hmm. first property. What was that like? <laughs> <laughs> tell me the story. I know you Man. got one. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you the first story. I'm gonna tell you the first story. The first story, first story was actually a piece of land. Oh yeah, you're right. Oh my god. It was actually a small piece of land that, that uh, we actually that we actually ended up working with a developer on. And end developer, uh-huh. so we were more so in the middle. And initially, we were locating properties for uh, for investors. We weren't investors yet. We were new to the okay. business, and we didn't have the the network or the capital to actually uh, purchase properties. We were just eager, you know, hungry, and we were you know in the business or whatnot. So we were finding properties for uh, other established investors and developers. And this particular property. Um, we learned how valuable real estate was because um, it was almost like a bidding war on it uh, from developers, um, just kind of pushing up the price and and or, or whatnot. And we ended up, uh, and, and also we learned a lot from that deal as far as people going behind your back because there were some people that tried to go behind our back in the deal and cut us out of the deal um, or whatnot. We had to increase our offer, offer price. Our, in the middle of it. It was a lot of mistakes made there, but we did get the deal closed out. But it was a small land deal in Pittsburgh, uh, Atlanta, that we uh, partnered with a developer on, and they just ended up building a single-family property there. But it was it, it was it it had to be no more than a quarter acre, um, and uh-huh. there, there was no land on it. I mean, there was no structure on it. It was just land. It just had the foundation. Wow. And so what, you guys just built it all like from nothing. You just went Well yeah the developer did. At this time we weren't you know, we we were brand new to the industry. Yeah. And we just we just located the property. They want they wanted prime property, which you know, Pittsburgh right there with that development, the Pittsburgh yards or whatnot, it's a very uh 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 like sought after area. Uh, I'm sure Mm -hmm. you know if you look at the prices of the houses over there and what they've become now. Uh, but at this time, we, you know, we weren't aware of what was happening there. We just wanted to be in real estate uh, or whatnot, and they kind of, you know, asked us to look in those areas. We found that deal um, or whatnot, and then, you know, brought it to them, and we got the deal closed out. And I, I'll never forget that contract was signed on the hood of a car. Oh, yeah. The contract was signed on the hood <laughs> of a car, and the attorney, the, the closing attorney, um, came out to that same property, to the property owner, and we closed the contract also yeah, right, on the hood yeah. of a car. 
So it was just like really crazy first deal. It was like crazy. Yeah, we learned a lot. So, okay, I, I'm always interested in where people come from and how do you guys like become like I got that story, but before that, like mm-hmm. what were you guys doing before that? Like were you guys like uh banking or were you guys like I don't know I wish. nerds? Um what were you doing before I've... that to get the capital to get there? What were you doing before that? Um well before that I was actually uh moved from Nashville to Atlanta and I was working in um marketing and um as a corporate corporate marketing uh-huh. Uh, for a accreditation agency out here in um, Buckhead in Atlanta, and um, I'll let Majesty mention his background. Yeah, well, just to clarify, we came into the real estate industry, uh, the real estate business, with pretty much nothing. We didn't we didn't come okay. into it with, with the anybody, money that we yeah. brought from another venture. Um, it was actually something that was introduced to me by a, a, a friend that had did really well. Um, I, and I, you know, saw it myself. You know, he 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 had a Ferrari and a penthouse or whatnot. So I figured, you know, he he, he was doing pretty well for himself, and he offered, right. um, you know, to, to to give us information, mm-hmm. um, in return for sweat equity as far as you know working, uh, day and night for for him or whatnot. But we learned a lot <laughs> in the process, so it was a it was a good trade off. Um, but before we got into real estate, I actually had a um fintech company um or whatnot where we exchanged uh digital currencies for uh for for, for clients on, on globally so and it was all digital or whatnot okay. and I got out of that business due to the regulations uh that were coming mm-hmm. down on on bitcoin mm-hmm. specifically it was making it very right. difficult to to do business and they started requiring um different credentials that were similar to banking credentials, like if you wanted to start a bank. Um, So that made it very difficult for uh, myself because I was, you know, we were doing well, but I was, uh, you know, a smaller outfit or whatnot. So they they kind of separated the the small people from the big people um, or whatnot. So in that situation, I I more so lost the ability to to operate um, or whatnot. The banks were making it very difficult to operate any type of uh, business that was operating solely uh, with Bitcoin and different digital currencies like that. So, yeah, I went ahead and transitioned out of that business because I didn't see it being uh, something that would allow any flexibility to grow. Um, and, right. you know, that's, yeah. So it got into real estate and haven't looked back since. Okay. Okay, you skipped some. You said you just got into real estate. So where did the capital come from to get your first property? <laughs> I'm pretty well, sure that's, everyone. That's, that's what I'm. That's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to understand. We got into the business yeah. with nothing. Yeah. What you get your first property with is your hustle, your grind, your negotiation skills, your your sweat equity. As far as meeting with with people, and I'm sorry. No, I I think he means like when we. When we closed on our first property, like how mm-hmm. did we fund it? Like the money part? Yes. Is that what you're yeah, asking specifically? Yeah, it came, it came, oh, it came the from the real estate deal. deals that we did. Before, yeah. Yeah, from before. When we when we were locating oh. properties for the investors, uh, you know, okay, I'll give you an example. Like that, that okay. land that land deal I told you about that that we uh worked with the investor the developer on. 
So we okay. we basically locate property for investors. We, they tell us what they want, and we will go out and find exactly what they want. They say we want land downtown. We will go and deploy, you know, our, our strategies or whatnot and find this off-market land downtown. And off-market means it's not on the MLS. It's not on Zillow uh, for right. sale. Um, so when we find that piece of land, let's just say we find that piece of land and we negotiate a price with the owner of it to buy it for $5,000. Then we go back to our our investors that sent us to locate the property. And if they haven't already told us the price they're willing to pay, we tell them, hey, oh, you know, we have a piece of land that we're willing to, uh, you know, uh, uh, contract to you for maybe $15,000 to $20,000. And we make the difference. Ooh. Yeah, we make the difference. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It is a every day, all night hustle. It is a hustle. Yes, it's definitely a hustle, and, and it can pay well, but it's a lot of work. But that's that's how we built the capital. We did. You do you do dozens of those, and you build your 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 you know what I mean, your nest egg or whatnot. And when you have enough, when you find that next deal, you don't bring you, it to the right. Investor. You keep it. You bring it to the bank mm. and say, hey, I got thirty, forty percent down on this deal. Will you cover the rest? Mm-hmm. And the bank says yes, if it's a good deal. So that's how you go from, you know, getting into the business with nothing and generating some capital so that you could become an investor. And you just, instead of taking that deal to the investor, you take that same deal uh, to the bank. Wow. You guys, like, are changing lives. Like, what the hell? <laughs> 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 you going to get some people, they're like, Dude, thank you guys. Uh Wow, how do you even get in the middle of that? Like, gee, I'm really want to know. Like, 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 so, like, is it knocking on? Are we knocking on doors every day? What are we doing here? Hey man, you you do you doing what you got to do. You know, you 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 find out who owns the property, and you do whatever it takes. Whether that is knocking on doors, which happened to be uh, my mentor's favorite, you know, method. Uh, you make the phone call, you send the letter, you do whatever it takes to get in touch with them and let them know that you want to purchase their property. Um, and and typically people are, are pretty open to hearing what you have to say. Uh, will everybody agree? Of course not. But you're looking for the minority of people that will say, hey, okay, I like what you're saying, or at least enough to, to meet with you and discuss the possibilities with the property. But it's really people just really have to be a lot more active and engaged in what they're doing instead of looking for some type of app or, uh, or something like that that will just like email them deals or something like that or email them opportunities. We have to be, especially right now in the coronavirus uh, climate, we have to start creating these opportunities uh, by, with, with sweat equity and with strategy and things like that. Um, but that's typically how you do it. You just have to identify an area that you want to operate in, um, and once you do that, just there's a lot of different ways that you can that you can reach out to people. Um, all of the information on properties are public information. You just go to your uh, county uh, tax assessor's website, put in the address, and it will tell you the name of who owns the property. And from there, you know it's all on you. It's all in your uh, the ball's in your court at that point. And then also to piggyback off of what Majesty is saying. Um, as far as offloading the property, once you have a property, you can use that same website uh, to look at recently sold properties. 
uh, next door in the area. And usually if the property is sold to like an entity, like a corporation or an LLC or something like that, then you could possibly contact that company and they may be interested in purchasing that property from you. So that's how you are able to find somebody who's willing to sell and also maybe somebody who's willing to purchase the property from you. But that's why we're here as well, because we're investors and we love to purchase your properties um, and, and, and work with you or partner with you on doing that so that we can keep it within the community. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's the only thing that – that happens there is that when you make that transaction, it's highly likely that when you do sell it to an LLC or, or a company or, or some type of um, trust, that that property slips from our community's hands. But if you sell it to us, of course, then it stays within the community and we also, um, you know, create affordable housing opportunities for people who need it most and people who look like us. Great. That's great that you said that. How do I find an? I mean, you guys are a prime investor. How do I find an investor? Yeah, how do I find an investor that wants to buy? Do I just look them up online? Like, hey, you look cool. Let's talk. Let's have coffee. Are you with it? <laughs> well, you know, networking networking on social media is probably one of the best and easiest ways. We have all types of tools at our disposal that previous mm-hmm. generations didn't have. Um, you can mm-hmm. connect with people all across the world in, in a matter of seconds. Um, so it's it's just about networking. LinkedIn and Facebook are great. There's a lot of groups that already exist that literally say Atlanta investors. Go in that group. You know, network. There's also so so there's there's, there's real estate as well. groups. There's mm-hmm. real estate organizations where these investors go to and just you network with them. Just network, and also you know a really quick way also to get buyers is to market your deal, market the deal online, and people will come to you that are interested. Um, if you're able to write up the contract correctly, um, and you get permission from the seller or however you structure it. You should be able to market the property, mm-hmm. um, even if you work with an agent to do so or some type of self-listing service. But you market the property and phone call, your phone will just start ringing and people will tell you that they want to buy the property. So those are a few different ways that you can, uh, you know, speak with buyers. Okay. One last question on this whole thing. Do I need a license to do any of that? Or can I just be an individual? Lord, no. And just do it? no. That, that, that's the biggest misconception, my brother. I will, and and you don't get me wrong. You might get a lot of flack. You might get some comments. You might <laughs> from what I'm about to say. I mean, but a license can actually hinder you. Um, investors typically don't have a license, but that doesn't mean that they can't have one. Um, the issue with a license is that you, ha- at some point, it becomes a conflict of interest um, because okay. a- as as a as a licensed agent. Um, you're supposed to you have a duty uh to the to the seller to basically tell them what is best for their property um and and when you play investor and agent you 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 see what I'm saying it could be a conflict of interest because I want right. to get your gotcha. property at a discount, but th- honestly that's not the best thing for you because maybe listing your property you might get more or or something like that so uh as investors, we just stay in that area and what we do is hire agents to do what we need to do um, if we need to at all. But we typically um, handle all of our transactions ourselves. 
Um, and not to say that if you if you if you're getting your license or planning on it, that it's not a good idea. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, but I am saying that you do not need one at all to operate, to survive, to to or to, or to sell uh, property. You just need to understand how real estate works. And you have to split uh, your commission with your broker. Yeah, as an agent, yeah, yeah. And if there's another agent involved, you have to split that with them as well. There's a lot of splitting with agents. Yeah, there, there can be a lot of fees. Yeah, there's a lot of fees. Y'all like the king and queen of Atlanta. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you between you We're working guys. on the world, but we'll take Atlanta for tonight. We're, we're, we're between you guys and the, the, the initiative, y'all, y'all like another set of king and queens. I swear, I know it's the Mecca, but dang, you guys are really, <laughs> like, really <laughs> doing that. Man, your name is Majesty, and it, it just it just works. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, let, so let's talk goals. Like, what are you guys' goals for the end of this quarter and for the first quarter of 2021? Do you guys have any major benchmarks you guys are going to try to hit? Yeah, um, on the acquisition side, we would like to we we plan to acquire uh, at least 150 um, units to reposition as affordable housing. Um, and we also intend to begin uh, mass production of our container home concept uh, to deploy um, in the Atlanta area uh, as well, so on the operations side. And then okay. also we do have um, some goals on the marketing side. Currently we have 3,000 members of Evopia, and we want to get to 10,000, 20,000, 100,000, um, those benchmarks throughout the next few months. And um, also we have goals to connect with certain um, funds and investor groups and continue to, uh, you know, leverage capital. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we, we plan to raise uh, uh, $10 million within the next, I'd say uh, the first quarter of 20, 2021, we're going to raise, mm-hmm. raise $10 million through our uh, fund. Wow, I really, I really hope that this podcast helps contribute to that growth that that you guys are are projecting. Um, oh, definitely. Oh, question. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, question about a uh, little side question before we start to wrap up: the container homes. Like, are you guys? How are you guys purchasing them? How does that even work? Well, they're readily available. Um, they're everywhere okay. because. There's a lot of uh, shipping that happens, and then when they use those containers, sometimes they don't have another use for it, and they just sit at the at the dock or they sit on some type of uh, government property, even like the military has a lot of them on their um, property. So they're pretty easy to buy. Um, it's more about getting a good deal on them and making sure that they're structurally sound because some of them okay. can be in very bad condition. Um, so you just want to make sure that you get good ones that are in good condition. Uh, that can be built on or, or whatnot, unless, unless you plan to make some serious repairs uh, to the metal. But they're pretty easy to get. It's more about just making sure that the construction makes sense as far as code. Um, code is different, you know, uh, a little different everywhere, but HUD has co- uh, a co- coding guideline that, that, that we choose to follow or whatnot because it's federal. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's not very difficult to get to get the containers. You can get them pretty easy. Okay. Wow. This, you guys, you guys are doing some exciting stuff. Um. All right. <laughs> so wrapping up, who do you need to help you, and how can people like 
get in touch with you two? I know it's fairly easy. You guys say social media, but is there are there any other channels? <laughs> and what kind of people are you guys looking for to help you to push your vision like forward and to help you grow? Okay. Well, people can definitely get in touch with us. Um, on our Instagram page, of course, it's Majesty underscore Elise. Um, obviously, evopia.org if you're interested in our uh, membership platform to get direct updates about what we're doing and our projects directly from us. Um, you can sign up there as well. And then, of course, like we mentioned earlier, if you or someone you know is interested in affordable housing in the metro Atlanta area, you can visit us at pushnation.net and fill out that form that's listed there. Okay. All right. Great. Great. Um, any any last words before we like part? Uh, yeah. Just wanted to say we you know we're looking to work with like-minded people. Uh, we believe that you know we're more powerful together than we are separately, and we just want to lead by example as far as you know extending, I guess you could say, like an olive branch or kind of starting the conversation um, so that, that others can join. And we know that there's others having conversations as well. Um, you know, that's why we we, we uh, do platforms like this, because you're having conversations mm-hmm. um, or whatnot, and we appreciate that. So uh, we're just trying to work with like-minded people who are focused on building um, our community up because they see it as a solution um, not only for themselves, but for the generations to come. Um, we have to think about the next generations, and I haven't really had a lot, I heard a lot of talk about that since COVID happened. I've been hearing a lot of, you know, uh, uh, relief about, you know, uh, the, the adults or whatnot, but we have to consider the next generation because that, that's, those are our kids um, or whatnot. So it's very important that we get involved with situations that uh, allow us to have generational wealth and generational resources that we can pass on uh, to make sure that what we build uh, lasts past, you know, our, our, our life cycle. All right. Wow. That's dope. Okay, guys. Hey, thank you guys for joining the call. Um, if there's anything that we can do to help you or if you guys, we have another conversation when it comes to, like, building generational wealth, African Americans and education and financial literacy or even just real estate, you guys, like, really dropped a bomb on, on me on how you guys are doing the deals. Uh Let's do it, um, and um, I'm going to try to push you guys forward, man, and thank Like I said, just thank you. I really appreciate the two of you. Thank you thank so you much for, us, yes. for thinking about us and reaching out and, uh, you know, and connecting with us. We really do appreciate it. Okay. And audience, that's it for us, and we'll see you guys next time, and we out. All right. <laughs>